0: How are we doing this weekend? I am so excited to be here hanging out with you today. My name is Abby. I'm one of our pastors here. And a big welcome to our JFAM joining us online and our Hocassin and Middletown locations. Can you help me give it up, everybody gathering with us this weekend? We are in a series right now called Beyond the surface. And I love our January series. I'm a big like fresh start person, all right? You know, it always feels like our January series are a time for a fresh start. They help us refocus for the year ahead. And it's been a great series so far. I am so grateful to our lead pastor, Pastor Mark, who has led us not just in the first couple weeks of this year, but year after year after year. So Journey, can you help me one more time? Show some love to our lead pastor, Pastor Mark and Susie. And we are so blessed to be with them and under their leadership. And so throughout this series, we are exploring what it looks like to find God in our everyday, ordinary lives. And maybe some of you came to church this weekend with that question, like, where is God? Maybe you've been trying to look for him or search for him, and you've been kind of left wondering, where is he? And the truth is that God is everywhere. We just have to remember to look for him and so that's what we're gonna be talking about this weekend is that idea of remembrance and memory so how many of you quick show of hands would say you've got a good memory in the room okay good memory all right here at broadcast it's very concerning very few hands have gone up some of you are like i don't even know what question you asked me 2.7 seconds ago like that's how bad my memory is, and um, my memory is so-so. I have a really good memory with some things, a really bad memory with other things, like you know using a turn signal before I'm about to turn. Um, that's not always one of my strengths, but uh, there is an often-used phrase about having the memory of a goldfish. All right, people who have a memory of a goldfish, and while nobody's quite sure where that phrase. Originated from the idea is basically that goldfish have little to no memory, like a three second attention span. And so they just kind of float around in their tank and they just kind of exist, right? They, they just kind of exist. They don't remember anything. And as humans, we know that's really no life at all because we weren't meant to just exist, we were meant for something more. And growing up, uh, I had a babysitter who had a massive fish tank, which thinking back, it was in her kitchen, which is kind of a weird place for a fish tank, all right? But she had this massive fish tank. I thought it was so cool, um, had its own filter, had its all little like fish landscape type of things. And uh, because I thought she was so cool, I wanted to have fish of my own. And I don't really remember how I acquired fish. I was probably six or seven years old. Um, and, oh. Thank you. All right, is that better? Hopefully that's better, okay. So I don't really remember how I acquired these fish. Uh, I don't know if I like, got them covertly at a carnival or if I finally wore my parents down. Um, but eventually, at age six, I became the owner of three goldfish. It is not these goldfish, okay? That would be a very, very, very long time to live. As goldfish but I became the owner of three goldfish who I proudly named Diane because that was my babysitter's name and Mary-Kate and Ashley shout out to the Olsen twins in the early 1990s right I know some of you guys you're like I have no idea what you're talking about ask your wives okay we all wanted to be Michelle Tanner in 1996 and so that is what I named my goldfish and I loved my goldfish but listen I didn't have very high expectations for my goldfish I knew they didn't really have a memory. I knew they weren't gonna remember how to do a trick. They just kind of floated around. They just kind of existed. And this memory thing is so important to our human existence because our lives really are built upon what we remember or what we forget. And so whether we consider ourselves followers of Jesus or maybe we're not quite so sure what we believe, we all have a tendency to forget things Sometimes, and our memory can be really unreliable. It's why all of you parents out there have a baby book, at least for your first kid. You know your second, third, fourth kids, they're not getting a baby book, but the first kid gets a baby book. Because you think, oh, I am always gonna remember my kids' first words or their first steps or their first food, but eventually that kid starts sleeping through the night, and so do you. And it's like you have no recollection of anything that happened. You're just like, I don't know, they're seven now. They're human, they they exist, they learn to do those things somewhere along the way. Like our memories are not as reliable as we think that they are. For all of you students, this is why your teachers are always telling you when they give you a homework assignment to write it down. And you say, no, I don't need to write it down. I'm gonna remember. But then you have three more classes and you have a part-time job and then you watch 12 more TikTok videos and you can't even remember your name, much less what they told you to do for homework because our memories can be so unreliable. We have to find some ways to remember, and the story that we're gonna talk about today is about remembrance, and I'm gonna be right up front with you, I mean, Jesus says some things that seem pretty weird to some of his closest friends uh, at the time, and may seem weird to some of us, especially for those of us that maybe are searching for God, we're not quite sure what we believe yet, but that's all right, because sometimes I think weird helps us remember, and during this time, The Jewish people, so Jesus' people, had many different holidays or festivals, times on their collective calendars when they would stop and pause to worship and remember something that God had done for them. And so one of their biggest celebrations as a group of people was called Passover, a moment that marked God delivering them from slavery. And so we're going to pick up this story today when Jesus is celebrating Passover with some of his disciples. And it's actually gonna be the last Passover he'll ever celebrate with them before going to the cross. And so before the pain of what is to come, Jesus has a plan that he wants to share with some of his closest people. So this is Luke chapter 22. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom of God being God's rule and his reign on earth. And I want you to think about if you've ever had an experience with family or maybe with some friends, and you just think, I wish this could last forever, Maybe it's a great meal. Um, Maybe it's being with all of your favorite people at a vacation spot. Maybe it's just being in a quiet house by yourself. You're like, I wish this could last forever. It feels like bliss. And I imagine that this is one of those I wish this could last forever moments for the disciples because they're all together. They're about to enjoy a great meal. They're with Jesus, their trusted teacher and friend who they love and trust and have followed around for the past three years. They've witnessed him doing miracles in their lives and the lives of other people. And so this is an important moment, not just for the disciples but also for Jesus because he's getting ready to tell them that he's not gonna be with them much longer. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to suffer horrifically. He knows the pain that he's about to face. And so I think this is an emotional moment for Jesus with some of his closest friends. He's got a big message that he wants them to hear. And I think Jesus knows that people will forget a message, but they're going to remember a moment That's why he does this in community. He puts them all together so that when he shares this important truth and they have some trouble remembering it later on, they can look at each other and they can say, did he really mean that? Did that really happen? They have each other to go back to because listen, when it comes to our faith, we can often forget. And Jesus knew we were prone to forgetting so he gave us some ways to remember. And this forgetting thing happens to all of us. You know, most of you have forgotten the beginning of this message. You don't know the names of my fish, which shame on you, okay? But you don't remember. You have things that you think, I'm gonna remember this forever, but we don't. Our memory is not as reliable as we'd hoped that it was. And so Jesus brings his people together so that they can remember this message he's about to give to them, which is foundational, not just for their faith, but for our faith As well, And so when I think about this moment, I think the disciples are probably starting to get a little bit confused, right? They're like, Jesus, what are you you talking about? You're going away, this is your last time with us. And as Jesus continues, I think they go uh, from being a little bit confused to just downright weirded out, all right? So this is what happens next. Then he, Jesus, took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He was giving them a way to remember And I think that this right here is where this goes from a I wish this could last forever moment to an I wish this were over right now kind of moment, all right, because while it was very common that everything at this Passover meal had symbolic meaning, it was not common that somebody would say eat my body, okay, that was not common, that was not like the standard. And so I imagine there's some uncomfortable shifting, there's this exchanging of awkward looks, like what is he saying? What is going on? And Jesus just continues, says this, after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So in Summary here, okay, we'll just break this down, Cliff Notes version. Jesus basically says, I'm about to go away, so eat my body, drink my blood. So here's, hopefully you are laughing awkwardly because that's a very awkward thing to say. If somebody this week comes up to you at school or at work and is like, eat my body, drink my blood, run away super fast in the other direction, okay, that's, that's the only thing that you have to do because this is a weird thing that he's saying to them. And this moment may have been weird, but it also worked. And we know that it worked because 2,000 plus years later, followers of Jesus are still celebrating communion, the sacrifice that Jesus made. We're still drinking wine or juice and eating bread or crackers together as a way of remembering what Jesus did for us and who he is. And we don't do it as a ritual, we do it as a way to remember the foundation of our faith. And here at The Journey, we actually celebrate communion in our J groups, in small groups of people who are going the same direction spiritually. You heard this a few minutes ago, but our spring semester is about to kick off two weeks from today, which means you can sign up um, to lead or be part of a group this weekend. And some of the best experiences that I've ever had celebrating communion have actually been in a group setting, because it's not about a ritual. It's not about religion. It's not about a routine. It's about the joy of a relationship, first our relationship with Jesus, and then our relationship with other people. And it is true that we can celebrate communion individually. I mean, some people say, well, can we do it individually? Absolutely. On an everyday, ordinary Tuesday, you can get yourself some crackers, you can pour yourself some juice. You can open up your Bible app to this passage right here. You can take a moment to remember who Jesus is, what he did for us in communion. And I've done communion individually at times, but if we are honest with ourselves, we are more likely not to pause and celebrate communion on an ordinary Tuesday because we get busy and distracted, and the idea of sitting in God's presence for a few moments may feel appealing, but it starts to get drowned out by laundry and to-do list and anxiety and other pressures. And so just think about the root of the word communion. It's the same as community. It offers this opportunity to us to commune with God and to commune with God's people. Because when it comes to our faith, we can often forget. But people help us be faithful instead of forgetful. That's why we need some people to help us not forget our faith this year. I mean, Jesus knew that we would have the memory of a goldfish. Every time I come over here, I'm just so thankful that there's not one floating on top, okay? Goldfish do not always live very long. That's like my greatest fear this weekend. (coughs) He knew that we would have the memory of a goldfish. He knew that some of us would be so passionate about our faith at times, but then so quickly feel like the world is on top of us and we would forget, would start to get drowned out by our worries and the cares and the demands and the interruptions of this world. Jesus knew, Jesus knew that when our feelings of loneliness or frustration or discontentment, or depression got big, our faith would start to get small and we would forget the foundation of our faith. So God gave us a way to remember. He gave us Jesus, he gave us communion to remember who he is, what he did, the sacrifice that he made for us. And I don't know what your experience with communion is like. Maybe this is your first time at church and you're like, you're right, that is weird. Eating somebody's body, drinking somebody's blood. That is weird. Maybe some of you have had some sort of experience with communion. For me, I grew up Catholic. And in Catholicism, communion is a big deal. I mean, I remember our first Holy Communion, it is a whole thing. All the girls get dressed up in these like little white dresses. The boys get their little mini ties. I remember we had to practice Taking our first Holy Communion, I will never forget, this is like seared into my brain, that they um, they brought us a wafer that we had to taste test. And I remember taste testing this wafer and being like, zero out of 10, this is not very good, right? Which I think is why they give it to eight-year-olds before the big day, because they want you to make the face beforehand, not in front of your parents. Um, And I remember, you know, like going up, walking up the aisle, and we had to practice like holding up our hands, and I was eight. And from the time I was eight to probably the time I was 18 when I was at home and going to Catholic Church on a weekly basis, I probably did communion hundreds of times. But then I realized I don't know if I had ever actually celebrated communion. I did communion, but I'm not sure I really celebrated communion. I went through the motions. I knew the right answers. I could tell you what communion was but I never really felt connected to God. And maybe that's where some of you find yourselves in this moment. Maybe you grew up going to a church, but you never really felt like you were a part of it. Maybe you knew about God, but you never experienced him. Or maybe for you, you were told that you'd done too much, you'd sinned too much, you'd gone too far for God to ever love you. Maybe you know a whole lot about religion and looking good on the outside, but you know very little about a real relationship with God. And if that's where you find yourselves, I wanna say that maybe that's why you're here today, to be reminded, to be reminded that God gave his all for you through his son Jesus, and he has more for you. Your life is not just like floating around, existing. God has more for you, and the foundation of our Christian faith is not just about doing the right things so that God will love us. The foundation of our Christian faith is not just about being good enough to get to God. In fact, we will never be good enough to get to God. That's why God decided he was gonna send Jesus. That was his way of getting to us. He knew he loved us this much that he sent us Jesus. But sometimes, in the struggles of our everyday, it can be hard to remember that. We can forget our faith. But listen, when we start to forget our faith, God gave us a way to remember. He gave us people who can help us be faithful instead of forgetful. He gave us ways to remember who he is and what he did. And now maybe some of you are thinking, okay, have you met people? They are not that great. They're not that great. I'm with you on the Jesus thing, he's great, but people, not always that great. And uh, you are not totally wrong, okay? Because right after Jesus told his disciples what was about to happen to him on the cross and gave them communion as a way of remembering his sacrifice for them, these same disciples started having uh, what I like to call another discussion right in front of Jesus. So this is what they say, verse 24. Then they, the disciples, began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Guys, Jesus is standing at the head of the table and they have the audacity to say, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna argue who's better. I'm better than you, I'm better than you, I'm better than you. I mean, can you imagine the boldness of these disciples? In this moment, Jesus had just told them, hey, I'm about to give you an incredible gift. I'm gonna go to the cross. My body will be broken for you, my blood poured out for you. I will take on your sin and your shame so that through your faith in me, you can come into a right relationship with God. And moments later, they have forgotten. Clearly, they've got the memory of a goldfish. They've forgotten. And so Jesus sets them straight, he says, This, In this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they are called friends of the people, but among you it'll be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who's more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for I am among you as one who serves. Jesus is reminding them of what and who is most important. Think about it. Jesus' closest friends forgot their faith when they were staring Jesus in the face. So if we fooled ourselves into thinking our faith is always gonna be strong, we'll never forget. They forgot and they were standing right in front of him. We can forget that so easily and so he had to stop and remind them, hey, stop looking at the ways of this world because out there, the people with power are the ones considered great. The kings, the leaders, the wealthy, but here, power looks different. That's what he's telling them. Power looks like sacrifice. Power looks like serving, and serving is what Jesus did on the cross. He did it for them, and he did it for me, and he did it for you. So the question this weekend is have you stopped to remember Jesus' ultimate act of serving lately? Have you stopped to commune with God? And I am not just talking about celebrating communion in terms of eating some bread and drinking some juice. No, those are just symbols of his sacrifice. That's what you see on the surface You know, we talked about this earlier, but that can seem like it's so weird when he says, hey, eat my body, drink my blood, but we start to realize that what was once weird is now powerful because below the surface, is the simple truth that Jesus gave his life so that we could be made right with God. No more sin, no more shame, so that we could walk in peace and freedom and joy and the life that we've always wanted to live. And Jesus' act of serving cost him his life so that we could have a rich and satisfying life in him. That's what communion is all about. And what would it look like this year if we made it a priority to pause and remember, to remember God's goodness, to not just forget our faith in the midst of our everyday ordinary struggles, but instead see our struggles through the lens of our faith? What would happen if we remembered every moment of the day that God causes All things to work together for the the good of those who love him. What would happen if we stopped getting all shaken up at everything that was happening in the world and just remembered that Jesus tells us in his word that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever? What if this year we decided we weren't going to forget God because he never forgot us? No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what we've been through, God never forgot us. God never forgot you. That's why you're here this weekend, because God has been searching for you. And when we have trouble remembering God's goodness, in the midst of our pain and our heartache, we can turn to God's word, just like Pastor Mark talked about last weekend, and we can turn to God's people. He gave us other people to help us remember. Now, you may not remember the names of my fish, but Diane, Mary-Kate, and Ashley, still alive, so far. Uh, Still alive. Uh, And so uh, for this message this week, I was doing some research on goldfish, and uh, I found out that apparently the whole memory of a goldfish thing is not really true. In fact... Um, I don't know who is doing PR for these poor goldfish, but they definitely need like a new VP of marketing, okay? Uh, Because apparently, goldfish do have decent memories. Uh, They can recognize voices, unsurprisingly, they know when they're about to get fed, if they get fed at the same time every day. And you know what, I, I found the other thing that goldfish are good at, interacting with other goldfish. So scientists say this, keep at least two goldfish in an aquarium to provide companionship and promote activity. Solitary fish can exhibit depression and lethargy. Now how they know this, I am not really sure, but it was on the internet, so I'm sure it is true, okay? I'm sure it's true. Tell your friends, I'm sure it's true. But think about it, right? Right? You win a goldfish at a carnival, and we all joke because we're like, well, it's gonna die a couple of days later. Maybe it died because you didn't know what you were doing with the water or you forgot to feed it, but maybe it was also lonely. It was solitary, didn't have a friend. It started to forget. And remember that people help us be faithful instead of forgetful, so what do you want to be faithful in this year? What do you wanna be known for this year? What do you wanna remember this year about who God is and what he's done? I get forgetful, we all get forgetful. I mean, just this week, I was recovering from being sick and I had a few days of physically feeling awful and I don't know if this ever happens to you, but once I physically started feeling better, mentally, it was like downhill real quick. (laughs) And uh, I was just frustrated. I was frustrated that I was missing so much work. I was frustrated that I couldn't do much of anything. And then I just started having general frustration about the state of Delaware and snow and schedules getting changed. And the fact that my puppy will not go outside in the snow and instead poops in the house. And it was like a real spiral situation. (laughs) And I had nowhere to go, I was trapped in my house. I'm such an extrovert. I'm just so happy it's not snowing. I'm so happy we're all here this weekend. Um, But I was, man, I was like in this spiral. And you know what broke me out of that spiral? It was not the seventh dose of Sudafed, although that was good. What finally helped me break out of that spiral was people that I reached out to. Friends that I have had in J groups over the years, um, and I just said, hey, I'm, I'm sick and I'm struggling. And they prayed for me, which I'm grateful for. But more than that, they helped me remember. I'd started to forget. Now I didn't forget my faith like I disbelieved in God, but I had forgotten what and who really mattered. And they helped me just this week be faithful. I was just trying to push through and they reminded me to rest. I was getting so anxious about all the things that were not happening. And they pointed me back to all of the things that were. In some of those moments, I could only see the bad, but they helped me see the good. They helped me see God. They helped strengthen my faith. And chances are that you're gonna forget your faith sometime in 2024. You're not gonna want to, but you probably will. Maybe for you, you'll commit to reading the Bible, but then you wake up late one day and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And before you know it, it's been weeks since you've opened God's word. Maybe for you, you're gonna let anger well up inside of you, anger that you thought you were over and you're gonna lash out at that friend even though you promised that you would never do that again. Maybe you're gonna let that critical health diagnosis become the only thing that you can see instead of seeing God as healer and provider. Maybe you say that this is gonna be the year. You're gonna be faithful in your finances. You're gonna give consistently, but then you have a financial setback and things start to fall apart. Maybe you're gonna let the enemy convince you that that thing you thought that you could do this year, you can't because you're too immature. You're too weak. You don't have what you need and you're going to start to see your faith suffer, but you don't have to stay there. By the grace of God, you don't have to stay there because in those moments you have a choice. You have a choice to be forgetful or to get around some other people who can help you be faithful. Because remember, people help us be faithful instead of forgetful. So, what would it look like this year if you were faithful? What would it look like if you put yourself in some environments, some places maybe that you felt uncomfortable or awkward, but you put yourself there because you wanted to experience the presence of God. You know it's the final week of 21 days of prayer and fasting, but you make a commitment to go, to be a part of it and experience God in a real way. Maybe for you it looks like finally signing up to lead that J group. Or join that J group and get around some other people who can help you remember your faith. Maybe for you, that looks like going to Plugged In, step one at your location this weekend because you're done just attending a church. You're gonna be part of what God is doing here. Maybe for you this year, it looks like you forgive and you serve and you give and you trust and you wait and you hope and you know that Jesus loved you enough to give his life for you. And God has more for you. He's not finished with you yet. And if you needed that reminder this weekend that this can be the year, no matter what you've done up to this point, this can be the year that you're faithful to God. Would you just raise your hands? I wanna pray that over you. I wanna pray you help, God helps you find some people to be faithful. So God, we come into your presence right now. We thank you for who you are. God, there is nothing like the power of your presence. God, I pray that you would help us be faithful this year. God, I pray for the person right now who is feeling guilty. Maybe who's even feeling ashamed because they've put you off in so many ways. They know you are asking them to step out. They know you are asking them to be obedient, but they just keep trying to run away from your word and run away from your calling. And God, I just pray in this moment, I pray that they'll confess and repent and then just receive the grace and mercy of starting fresh. God, I pray for all of us. Help us find some people who can help us be faithful this year, Lord. We thank you for it and we believe you for it. There may be some of you that are here this weekend and You don't yet know Jesus as leader and Lord of your life. Maybe you've heard this message before that God loved you enough to send his son Jesus so that you could be made right with him. Maybe you've heard it hundreds of times. Maybe this is the very first time that you've heard it, but I know in this moment, God is reminding you, he sees you, he loves you, he has more for you. And if you've never yet said yes, to making Jesus leader and Lord of your life. I wanna encourage you, let this be your moment. You don't have to do anything. You just have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if that's you, I invite, as we all pray together one more time, I wanna invite you to pray this with me. God, I come to you. In this moment, I leave behind my old ways of living And I put my faith firmly in your son, Jesus Christ, my Lord. I receive the sacrifice of what he did, not just for other people, but what he did for me. In this moment, I declare Jesus is leader of my life. As we all just stay focused on God in this moment together, if you just prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand here, Hokesson, Middletown, Raise your hand online. You can type faith in the chat. And Journey, would you help me celebrate people saying yes to Jesus this weekend?